Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program coming your way from Palm Beach, Florida. Absolutely gorgeous day. Not a cloud in the sky today. No clouds allowed in the sky. What song? Some of you have been watching Encanto and know what I'm talking about. We don't talk about Bruno, but we do talk about the NFL on this particular program. Nick Casario is going to join us in a couple of minutes here. Also, we will catch up with the president of the Texans, Greg Grissom. He's here in Palm Beach at these NFL meetings. And we're going to have also a little two-minute crash course on sports NFTs. Everything you always wanted to know about NFTs, but we're afraid to ask. It's going to be quick. It's going to be painless, I think. And we'll find out more within the next half hour. Then my buddy Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio. He knows everything there is to know about this league. Does a great job on the air. He also knows a thing or two about wrestling. All Elite Wrestling. Have you heard of that? He's involved with them. And they're coming to Houston. So I thought I'd just mention that because so many people that I respect, like Sean Pendergast, really are huge wrestling fans for some reason. So we'll find out why. We'll get to the bottom of that mystery. But let's get to the bottom of this. Today, it was announced that the league is changing, adjusting, modifying the overtime policy. So the overtime rule in the playoffs now will feature each team guaranteed to get a possession. So, Bills, Chiefs, need I take you there again? Chiefs score, end of game, right? They score a touchdown. Bills would get the ball in this scenario. They're not going to do it for the regular season. Not yet, anyway. I think eventually we get this in the regular season, but it's still a 10-minute overtime period in the regular season. Field goal doesn't end it on the first possession. Touchdown does. But in the playoffs, each team guaranteed a possession, and that's the way they're going to roll. And I think we can all agree it's pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Some of you wanted the wacko best of three two-point conversions modification. Some of you wanted have to go for two. What was it at the end of the second possession? Now, there's a thought that whoever scores at the end of the second possession would automatically go for two to end the game. Really? Really? Have you seen how NFL coaches operate? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to kick the extra point to keep playing. Now, the thought around that was whoever scores first would go for two out of concern that if the other team gets a touchdown on their possession, that they would go for two. So I don't know. You could go round and round with this thing all day, and I'm sure they have been all day on Sports Radio 610. I've been in Florida, so I can't help you there. Also in Florida, general manager of your Texans, Nick Casario. We caught up with Nick to ask him how it is here at the NFL meetings. Yeah, it's always good to come down here. Um, the big thing is, from our perspective, is anything new that the league is going to implement from a rule perspective. So just understanding what the rules, what the changes are. You know, outside of that, you know, you try to just step away a little bit from, you know, from football for a few days. And then, you know, after, I'd say, Tuesday, kind of get back onto some of the college scouting scene here a little bit. So, But it's always good. It's good to see some familiar faces. It's good to see people that you've worked with, that you've come across to, to be able to interact. You know, I had dinner with Josh last night at McDaniels, so it's always good to be able to kind of get in an environment sort of away from football a little bit and spend some time on a personal level. Yeah, so people know there is some socializing going on here <laughs> as well as the football stuff, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's good for everybody. It really is. All right, so just to take people behind the curtain a bit, not revealing too much, but there's a big kickoff meeting on Sunday night, and you get to see the commissioner and, and a lot of the league executives, and they unveil what's going on with the league. How was that for you, that experience? Yeah, it's good. It's, from the league's perspective, it's kind of a recap of here's where we are, maybe some of the things that took place last season, some of the initiatives moving forward, and the idea is to try to continually grow the game. I think the, 
the media presence and the media relationships are important. It's important for everybody. So when you have everybody together, it just creates an overall understanding from a league's perspective. Here are the things that we're trying to accomplish. Here's your role. Here's why it's important. And here's the people that are ultimately going to be involved in moving the game forward here a little bit. And things are constantly changing and evolving from a technology standpoint to certain different initiatives or, you know, what we're trying to accomplish as an overall league. So you look at it from a big picture league perspective, and then you kind of drill down and what are the things that you can do specific to your team to be able to continue to grow the game and evolve. Um, you know, so it, it's good to kind of just hear the messaging from the league and get an understanding of kind of what they view as, as important. From your perspective, being in the league for over two decades, what's your take on the popularity of the league and where it's going? Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, the growth of the game, there's still a vested interest from a lot of people, the, the, the fans, and I think the fact that you know we were able to get back into sort of a more normalized situation after you know a little bit of period of uncertainty, you just see how much interest there is in our sport and in our game, and we all have a responsibility to do our part continue to try to grow it. Um, but ultimately, we have to focus on, you know, what's best for the Houston Texans within the scope of, you know, ultimately supporting the league. All right, so what is best for the Houston Texans? The draft is coming up, and I'll get to pro days in a moment here, but how many mock drafts, or can you take <laughs> us through that? Because you have a lot of picks, and you need to be prepared, as prepared as possible, for what's going to happen. So how do you go about that process? Yeah, it's a very fluid process. It kind of changes from one day to the next, but specific to the mock drafts, it's good information because you, you, we try to look at that you know, and try to get an idea of maybe – where obviously that information is coming from, I would say, other people or other sources or other teams and how those players are viewed. So they're important, but ultimately our evaluations of the player are going to be the most important thing and then how we view the player, what his role is going to be. And as you get a little bit closer to the draft, it comes down to positioning about where do you think you need to draft a certain player in order in order to acquire him on your team. So especially we're in a position where we're picking fairly early relative to last year. I mean, we were picking 66th or 67th last year, and right now we're scheduled to pick at 3-13. and 13. So the pool of players is obviously a little bit different. So making sure that we're, we know those players really well and you know, understanding, okay, this first pick could come from X number of players, okay, and then the next group of players, okay, where do those – who slots where? So – that's going to be important. So it'll continually evolve, and we can get more information here over the next couple of weeks. And then once we kind of get in April, it's really going to come down to our in-depth analysis and study of the player. Where do we see his role? What's his value? How do we grade the player? And then try to position accordingly. And then we'll finish up, um, I would say, a week before the draft with sort of our medical overview because that's a component of um, the player's evaluation as well. So there's still plenty of work to be done, but we're getting closer and closer kind of each day. When you pick, no matter where it is, and somebody picks a player that you might have wanted right before you go, how hard is it to take the emotions out of that? But, oh, we just almost had this guy, but there are a lot of good players out no, there. No, it's a great question, Mark, and you sort of have to just be ready to pivot. I think that's the most important thing. So you're going to probably have groups of players and pockets of players kind of positioned accordingly and graded similarly, and maybe you have an order of preference about how you want to pick that player. But if that player gets picked, one of them gets picked, then you just got to transition and, and pivot to the next player. And ultimately, you have to be comfortable with the player that you're going to select. Let's say as you're going through and you maybe see a certain level of players start to disappear, they might be in a position to say, all right, you know what? Well, if we don't get this player here, then it's going to be kind of a long time before we get to the next spot. So is it worth maybe having a discussion about trading up? So I'd say that going back to even last year, what we ended up doing with Nico, 
we had it wasn't necessarily specific to a receiver. It was more specific to we had a certain band of players that were great at a certain level. And as we were going, if we would have waited until the fourth round, there was a chance a fair amount of them would have been would have been gone. And then we're kind of into the next group. So kind of where you have to pick the player relative to where you have them graded. Maybe there was a little bit of a gap. So I'd say sometimes that's the impetus for maybe moving up or down in you know, whatever direction you need to go. Nick Casario with us. Okay, pro days. The whole league went through a couple of years of not really being able to get out and observe players on their home turf or any turf, really. It's all been on tape or whatever, most of it. What is it like to be out there right now? What are you gaining from that? Does it feel like, oh, my gosh, we're back in the water. This is terrific. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, and really, when you get on campus, again, a lot of these players have worked out at the Combine. So there's a group of players, if they've worked out and done everything at the Combine, you're really not there for that. And then there's another subset of players, non-Combine players, that you may have some level of interest in. So you can watch them kind of work in that environment. And then even the players that were at the Combine, you're really kind of just observing them during the course of the day. You know, what's their attitude? What's their approach? How do they handle what they're doing that day? You know, what's their mindset going into the, into the workout? Are they in condition? So those are the types of things that you're, you're trying to evaluate. So everything that they're doing is important because you're making, a, a, let's say, a pretty significant investment in that player. So the more, I would say, understanding and interaction you have with various subsets of people and players, the better off, hopefully, you're going to be in your evaluation. And our staff has kind of been everywhere. I mean, Lovey was at Georgia. He was at Ohio State. was at Cincinnati. You know, seeing some of the better players throughout the country, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to draft a player from that school. But really, the benefit of going to kind of pro day to pro day is you might be able to see similar players at similar positions and kind of how they work out back to back. Maybe some, you see something live that maybe you didn't see on tape. So I'd say that's the, the main benefit. And then you have the opportunity maybe the night before to meet with a player. Um, I think sometimes everybody kind of gets caught up in uh, so-and-so met with this player. What does that mean? Really, you're just trying to gather information. We're still in the information gathering stages. So that's really what we're, that's the benefit of, of the pro days. All right, the signings. You've re-signed a bunch of guys that you had last year. These players are familiar with what you want to do, and that's got to really be a big boost because as opposed to last year when you brought in so many new faces into the building. Yeah, no question. We, we anticipated there was going to be a certain number of players that we were going to maybe hope to re-sign after, after a year. Um, we did a few more, I'd say, two-year deals this year as opposed to last year where it was kind of very one-year deal-centric. So... Players that have been in the program, they have familiar with the staff, they have familiar with our system, they have an overall understanding of what we're trying to do, uh, what we're trying to build. So getting some of those players kind of back into the fold, back into the mix, um, you know, was important for us to do. And, you know, we're excited about the opportunities um, in front of us. Somewhere in the building there's a depth chart. I know it, Nick. Uh, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about that kind of thing because you're setting up the 2022 Texans. You know you're going to have a lot of draft choices, a lot of availability there. So how does that process work? Yeah, you kind of take a snapshot about where we are today. So we, I want to say after the Neville signing, 68, 69 players on the roster. So there's going to be, call it another 20 to 25 players that we're probably going to add here over the next you know month or so when between – however many players we draft, what's well, 11 right now, let's call it 10 to 12, and then however many players that we end up signing after the draft. So you only have 90, so I would expect there's some players to come off that are on here currently, and there's some other players that we're going to add. So there's really no depth chart necessarily. It's just more you look at the position, you're looking at the numbers, and how do you feel about the overall composition of that group? Um, because we really haven't been on the field. It's going to be a long time before we get on the field. So I think we kind of have a, an idea of where we are currently, but our goal is to continually add good football players. We're going to add a lot of youth um, to our team 
in, in the form of draft picks in, in, the, in the rookie free agents. One more about the pro days. How helpful is it to have Lovey and his staff out there observing and getting their input as well and putting it all together? Absolutely. It's a huge part of it. Our, our staff's done a great job over the last two weeks. We've given them subsets of players and groups of players to watch and evaluate kind of independently from what we've done kind of on the personnel and scouting side. And then now we have to combine those two because our vision of the player, maybe it's different from, you know, their vision of the player. And so we just want to figure out, okay, why does that exist? And then just try to bridge the gap here a little bit because ultimately when the player comes into the building, we all want to have a vested interest in that player. So we want to try to find the right people and the right players and then just make sure that we see the vision the, the right way understanding that even when they get here, there's probably a certain level of uncertainty until we actually see them a little bit. But their input has been great. They've submitted a number of evaluations on players. They've worked really hard at it, and we certainly respect their viewpoint on it. So now we got to pull all the information together, kind of sift through and try to process it, and then I would say start to rank the players. Okay, of these four or five, we're comfortable with any one of these four. Okay, great. You know, obviously there's a preference because we rank them accordingly. But if we end up with one of those, we feel good about that. Okay, great. And then move on to the next group. All right. So at the owners meetings, which is the nickname for this, it's the NFL annual meeting. You mentioned having dinner with an old friend, Josh McDaniels, or whatever the case may be. How difficult is it to socialize with these guys and not reveal too much about your plans or have them reveal too much about their plans? Yeah, really, the time that you spend kind of away from football is really more on a personal level. Yeah, so it's talking right. about, you know, the kids and you know, our relationships. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about football. Football business is football business, and we'll take care of that at the appropriate time. But you sort of try to take it away from that. And everybody is kind of going through the same thing. Everybody's working through the draft, working through the pro day yeah. process. They're kind of building their team. They're doing the things that are important to their team. We're doing the same. And everybody's respectful of that. I think that's the most important thing. So you try to take it away from football a little bit and try to create a little more of a personal interaction. Any time for golf or beach? No, you no. no. I'm not a beach person. I do love to play golf, but golf season comes in the summer when we're kind of away from football. So. Sounds good. Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. There's Texans GM Nick Casario. Now, coming up on the program, like I promised, President Greg Grissom, what's going on with the team as it relates to what's going on here at the NFL meetings and also draft plans. What can he share with us about that? I'll also have that two-minute crash course in sports NFTs for you. Alex Marvez later on in the show. It's all happening here on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio coming your way from Palm Beach, Florida. Mark Vandermeer with you at the NFL annual meeting. And it is meeting singular, but lots of sessions inside the building. I wrote about this on Vandermeer's view on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. And you should have that Texans app. If you don't, go to your Play Store, wherever you download apps from your app store, and get it. There's so much cool stuff on there, including the Harris 100. You need to brush up on your draft stuff. With the Texans having seven picks in the top 108, there's a lot to know as we get ready for the draft, which is in less than a month. Drew Doherty reminded me of that yesterday. All right, let's get to this now. Texans president Greg Grissom, who, by the way, has a Twitter account. What is your handle? Uh, It's at Texans president, Mark. So uh, I'm just uh, excited to uh, share some of the great things we're doing kind of off the field and and give people a sense of uh, of what's what's going on behind the scenes with the organization. You are traveling a lot. You went down to Mexico. So what happened down there? That's right. Uh, we were we were honored um, by the Texans along with uh, eight other NFL teams who have now marketing rights to Mexico. We were hosted and invited by the uh, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico, uh, uh, Ambassador Ken Salazar, 
had an event for us uh, last Thursday at the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City, and it was uh, it was a huge honor to to be a part of that and to to consider what what we're able to do for our fans in Mexico and we're just exciting things to come in that area. So roughing it in Mexico and now roughing it in Palm Beach, Florida. There you go. Well, it's you know it's a <laughs> tough job, but somebody's got to do it. But all in uh, in trying to find ways to further engage and, and make us better. It's funny because I wrote an article about, yeah, I saw the ocean, but there's no way I can get in there. You might as well have this at the Kansas City Airport Marriott, That's right? correct. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been in a, a conference room for the last couple of days, and that's just kind of how it goes, but, uh, but it's great to be here. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about some of the things they're talking about here because, obviously, the league is more popular than ever, Greg, and there are a lot of factors that go into it. Digital media, marketing toward youth. What can you share with us? What are some of the well, things that stand out to you? Yeah, these meetings, it's it's a great opportunity to, to just take in all aspects of the league. Obviously, there's all the football side that that is probably what's most interesting to all of our fans, yeah. and, and we completely understand that. But we take an opportunity to to look at the business side of it and, and how we can uh, further connect with our fans, and whether that's uh, through – different f- platforms on social media and, uh, and with NFTs and the blockchain and the metaverse uh, or, or, you know, exciting things like our new uh, uh, Thursday night football package with, uh, with Amazon, um, you know, just a, a lot of different things. And so uh, it, it's just an opportunity to learn and to see where the league's going and to see how we can get better and work together. And the Texans are doing their part, our part in this. We have this series, Building the Texans, which we started last year, continuing it this year. This is a digital series. Sometimes you'll see it on broadcast television, but really on the digital platforms, it really takes you inside to see how things are being constructed for the Texans. No question. And we want to be, you know, we want to give our fans some insight into to how we're evolving. And uh, we know it's an interesting time and an exciting time with all the the new components that we have to build the team. And, and we want to want to give everybody an inside look. And then, Honestly, just people, the way that people are consuming content, and particularly youth, um, uh, is, is a really important engagement audience. So looking at all the different platforms and the way that we can serve content and, and give them a, an insight to, to how, we're, how we're building and, and how we can, you know, uh, encourage them to be Texans fans for the long run. Are your kids a little bit out of the demographic of the Nickelodeon slime end zone stuff, or are you right yeah, in there? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a little bit beyond that. I have a, I think, as you know, I have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, so I'm more in the TikTok space. Right. And uh, my daughter is always reminding me about uh, great TikTok ideas and different things that we can do to, to engage our fans. And I think my son was really excited. He, he was uh, – he got a, a a digital trading card that he he got on Madden yesterday. That he was uh, it was it was a big day. So uh, you know I'm I'm still trying to figure out what a lot of it is, but uh, they they keep me honest. We don't have a Texans president account on TikTok yet. No, we I think we'll stay away from that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about what the Texans are doing out and about here. We have the draft coming up, and everybody's excited about it. More picks since well the most since the first two seasons of Texans history. That's right. And and so, I mean, there's been a lot of talk here at these meetings about the draft nationally and what it's going to be held in Las Vegas, which is going to be absolutely, you know, insane and exciting and a different way to engage that. And we know a lot of our fans will go there and we'll be there covering the event live as, as we identify and welcome new Texans to Houston. And I think, uh, but in Houston, we're, we're, we're just, we're looking at a lot of different things and, you know, we're at a place in our organization's, um, you know, journey is to, to reevaluate everything, give ourselves permission to, to reconsider how we do some things. And so we're looking at some stuff, you know, maybe stay tuned for the next few days uh, about some announcements about how we look at the draft party and maybe 
maybe look at it a little differently. And, and most importantly, you know, we want our fans to, to be excited to welcome new Texans to Houston. We, we you know, it's, I know uh, we're, we're kind of building a new team and we want our fans to get to know these guys and the entire team and, and how, how we're going to all work together to be successful over the next few years. All right. We're excited about the plans, whatever they may be. And too early to talk about training camp probably, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think training camp, we did a lot of new things last year, and I think we would be only looking to to uh, to build on that, um, you know, with some of the covered seating and some of the things that we had. I know, uh, you know, the schedule hopefully will come out sometime in, in early to mid-May, and, and then that will give us an opportunity to kind of lay in the rest of the summer as we build towards the preseason. But um, I, I can just tell you, being around all the, uh, the other teams in the league and everybody down here, first it's great to be in person, and – it just gets me ready for some football, Mark. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fired up. Lovey Smith was in the seat you're sitting in, and he was fired up, ready to go, uh, back on the road soon enough to go to pro days. Well, yeah, they've like been that. busy. We, you know, I think we've you guys have been kind of sharing where they've been and the work mm-hmm. that they're doing, and uh, can't wait to see all all the hard work that he and Nick and both their teams are putting together to to again to identify some new Texans as we're building the team on a daily basis. I won't ask you about overtime. I know you have opinions on everything, Greg, but uh, big uh, emphasis here on diversity and inclusion. And the Rooney family is here, the Rooney rule. We're all familiar with it, but we're taking it to another level now, right? Well, the, the, it's important to the league, and I think there were some announcements to adjustments uh, of that. And both, and it affects both the business side and, and, and the football side. And we're proud of the progress that, that we've made as an organization, that the league's made. It's never enough. You know, you always can do better. But, um, and, you know, I know I think on, on the football side, one of the changes that they made was that uh, offensive assistant, which is where most head coaches are identified from. There's a trend in that way. And, you know, that the league's requiring to have someone of color to be on the offensive side of the ball as an offensive assistant. And we're proud that with, with the work that Lovey's done, I know it's really important to him. We've already got a strong group. I think we've already have five offensive assistants uh, on that side of the ball of people of color. Both of our play callers with Lovey and Pep Hamilton are represented in that way. So, you know, more work to do as a league. You know, we can always do better and just excited to see about the progress that we can all make well, we're all excited. 2022 season will be here soon enough. Final thoughts. I mean, you have a golf course on one side. You have the beach on the other side. But you're buried in meetings all That's right. I, you know, I think after we leave here, go to another meeting. But uh, we'll, we'll enjoy the view from afar. And, you know, I'm not afraid to, to, to chase the golf ball around, but it may have to wait for a few days. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, Mark. All right. There's Texans president Greg Grissom. Now, let's get to this. I promise this I'm going to deliver, and I'm not going to – just drone on about NFTs because, geez, that's going to break format dramatically and lose listeners. But this is two minutes on sports NFTs to help you understand them better. My head was still spinning after this conversation with Dior Ginyard from NFL All Day. But an NFT in sports could be a video highlight, could be a lot of things. What is it? An NFT is a digital collectible where you track ownership. Um, and with NFL All Day, we call them moments. It's actually a video highlight. So it's your favorite, no more static images. It's your favorite plays, your favorite moments, your favorite players uh, stored on the blockchain, which you now own. Now, can you have old highlights like the catch, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, or do they have to be things that are shot now and put directly uh-huh. into the blockchain? That's a great question. We're actually launching our first historical drop later this week. Uh, Brett Favre is a feature of it, so we'll be able to highlight some of those historic plays. Think about that uh, three-touchdown game that Brett Favre had after his father passed away. Think about that Marshawn Lynch rumble against the Saints of him stiff-arming uh, Tracy Porter. So we'll be able to highlight historical plays as well. 
So you can own the highlight, but what's the difference between a recording, which this basically is, which is authenticated, and a copy? Yep, with that recording though, because you'll see people say like with um, with video highlights, I can go to YouTube and get that touchdown pass or that sack, but you don't own it, so it's nothing you can do with it. With our product, NFL All Day, you can get a moment in a pack, so you could participate in a pack drop. You don't know what moment you'll end up with. You may end up with a Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass. Now you can take that to the marketplace. You can show it off on Instagram. It's proven authenticity in it. All right, I'm going to cut that right there. Everybody got that? We're going to have a quiz on this later. I get it. But I still don't get it. A Da Vinci painting, the Mona Lisa. He painted it himself with the brush strokes. The video is an image of somebody else doing something. I know I could have the original video. I get that if it's authenticated, it's the original, and maybe it's worth something. It's all perception. It's like the tulips from hundreds of years ago in the Netherlands. You saw Wall Street, too. Oh, you didn't? Sorry, I'm going off on another tangent. That's all I'm going to say about NFTs today. Maybe we will revisit this topic some other time. Let's visit with Alex Marvez next from Sirius XM NFL Radio. We'll talk about the league. We'll talk about the AFC South a lot. And, of course, your Texans. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer with you from Palm Beach, Florida, site of the NFL annual meeting, which is going to wind down very quickly here this afternoon and have some stuff tomorrow, but I really think very little. A lot of the families hanging out with those who elect to stay, some of the coaches and GMs hitting the road to get back out to pro days and draft prep within a month. My gosh, it is coming fast and furious. This is the fastest offseason I can remember so far. Maybe because the regular season went a week longer, pushed everything back, including the Super Bowl, and then the Combine felt like it was 15 minutes after that. And then all of a sudden you were into the trade scenario with the free agency starting up, the league year beginning, and now these NFL annual meetings, soon the draft, and you know the rest of the story. Can't wait for training camp and the season. Now, Alex Marvez is an interesting guest, and, you know, I checked out his Wikipedia page because I just wanted to be sure about something, and I stumbled on something that I didn't get to ask him, and it's breaking my heart. He was in the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner and apparently played himself. You're infringing on my territory now, playing yourself as a sportscaster in a movie, said John McClain. Not really. That was just me. But it's probably a good thing that I didn't get to talk to him about draft day because Drew Doherty and D.B. Sidhu would be eye-rolling incessantly at me talking about a sports movie with a guest. It was bad enough when we had Pat O'Hara in the building, who is in movies like The Water Boy and Any Given Sunday. And that's all I really wanted to talk to him about, never mind the business of coaching professional football. Pat is with the Tennessee Titans right now. I could name drop here from the NFL annual meeting all day long. The amount of NFL execs, coaches, GMs, people in the media that you see here, just amazing. But I'm going to stop myself for once from name dropping. I might write a book someday just called Name Dropping and just drop names throughout the entire book. I don't know if it'll be interesting or not. But this is interesting. Alex Barvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio. I've known Alex for a long time. He used to be with the Miami Herald, so I've known him from my days down in South Florida 100 years ago. He's younger than I am, and he's also with All Elite Wrestling, which is a different wrestling group, and they're coming to Houston in about a month and a half. So let's check in with Alex, who's always doing well. Mark, I'm doing great, and you know what? I am excited about your Houston Texans team beginning a new chapter. And listen, yeah. on SiriusXM, I consider all 32 teams my children, right? Okay. I, I want everyone to do well because you'd love to have the fan base get invigorated to talk about positive things. It's been a tough go of it for the Texans, obviously, 
But now, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation behind this team, moving forward with Davis Mills, moving forward with a bevy of draft picks, moving forward with a new head coach, I, I just think there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it is not the proverbial oncoming train. <laughs> That's how we feel about it. What was your reaction to the trade? It took a long time to get done, obviously. Okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave the Cleveland Browns part of it out. I'm okay. going to leave passing judgment on Deshaun Watson, seeing that we have right. a whole lot of social media attorneys out there that apparently are very familiar with this case. <laughs> I had no idea so many people intimately knew everything that was going on. Amazing. I recommend that you base all of your life's knowledge. If you need to know about the Ukraine, go on social media, right? If you need to know about politics, go on social media. You'll get quite the education, right? I'm just going to base this upon what the Houston Texans did. Had Nick Casario, I guess, I don't want to say press the panic button, but had he not been prudent last year, you're not getting this draft haul with Deshaun Watson. I simply don't think that there was any team at that time that would be willing to give up three first-round draft picks. Let's look at this in perspective. Since the modern-era drafts began in 1970, the AFL-NFL merger, there's only been two other trades that involve three first-round picks. So think about how rare this is. We're talking a span of, of 52 years, and Nick Casario pulled this off. I mean, he has now, of course, something has to happen with these draft picks. You have to hit home runs with them. Right. And, and that's an uncertain science. And I get where the Cleveland Browns are coming from because they've been trying to address the quarterback position since 1999. But the fact that you were able to get this draft haul for him was so incredible. And then the fact that you've got a year now for Davis Mills. This is a pivotal year. You know, you think about what happened with Gardner Minshew, right, and, and how he was given a year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Didn't work out. They go in another direction with Trevor Lawrence. This is now going to be Davis Mills' time to show that he can build upon the great things that he did in the month of December and January and show that he is the long-term answer at quarterback. And if he is not that answer, well, you are still armed with a flotilla, if you will, of first-round draft picks to be able to try to find an answer at the game's most important position. It is hard to be patient, Mark Vandenberg. It is hard. <laughs> To be patient in the NFL. We only have 17 games. You know, and what do we do the, the other six months? We're not playing football. We're talking about football, right? This is how this works. But in, to this extent, I think that it's going to take a little more time. Nobody wants to hear that. But the Texans are moving in the right direction. And I, don't, I think you just have to give Nick Casario high marks for holding out and opening up the bidding a lot more on Deshaun Watson as a quarterback and, and obviously pay dividends for this Texas franchise. Alex Marvez, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, and All Elite Wrestling. Joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, the competition in the AFC South, the Colts acquire Matt Ryan. How do you think that's going to work out? Swimmingly. I think it's great. And listen, I'm a Matt Ryan fan personally. Mm -hmm. I just I love him as a human being. But I also like him a lot as a quarterback. What I saw last year was a player who simply was outmanned in terms of the offensive line protection, especially in the interior, and also just a lack of targets. I mean, you had Cordero Patterson, you had Kyle Pitts, and you had Cordero Patterson yeah. and Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. You get my point. You know, and, and Matt Ryan's play dipped a little bit, but, you know, Frank Reich said it. He did not see visibly a drop in, in, from a physical standpoint. And that's the big thing that you're looking for is, is a quarterback maybe the reaction time a little bit slower. Is mm -hmm. the ball not getting there as quickly? Those things were not affecting Matt Ryan. So I feel for what the Colts are looking for, which is essentially a two-year marriage here based upon how his contract was restructured, this is a perfect fit for them because they are so close. Of course, they got to get over the Jacksonville hump. They ultimately have right. to win a game probably on the road there yeah. to get to where they want to be. There is a significant change on defense. We do have a question at the left tackle position. Can Matt Pryor really man that effectively? Wide receiver, you know, it's Michael Pittman and dot, dot, dot. So there's still some work to be done there. 
But I, I just I like Matt Ryan. I think for what the Colts are looking for, he's a good short-term fix as they continue to try to find a long-term franchise answer. He's going to be 37 when the season is played. Does it blow your mind that 37? 37, it's young. Look, 37, you got your whole life ahead of you in football even because Brady's 45 and we had all these guys play into their 40s or at least close to it. Well, I think what's happened is, and, and we didn't necessarily always see this in, in previous years, the training of these athletes, the diet, the year-round commitment to football has allowed career longevity, especially at the quarterback position where you're not taking the type of physical beating necessarily that, that you would, although if you play for the Falcons, you did. But to yeah. get my point, I just think that things have changed as time has gone on, and athletes now are, are cognizant of that. You know, it is, it, it's a 365-type job. You know, and then when you see players retire early, maybe you understand why. There's some mental burnout that's involved in this as well. Players that reach a certain point of wealth, 29, 30 years old, they figure, listen, I've had enough. Ali Marpet would be a perfect example of that right. this offseason. Guys, just reached his first Pro Bowl. Probably has two, three good years left at a very healthy wage, but he figures I've made enough money in my lifetime. I'm going to leave with a Super Bowl ring. I'm going to leave healthy, and let's get on with the next part of my life. It's just very different with these athletes now, and, and age being, yes, it is an important number, but I think you have to watch the tape. And, and a commitment like Matt Ryan, you've never seen Matt Ryan out of shape, mm -hmm. for example. The guy trains hard. I don't know if he's going to be Tom Brady and play till he's 45 years old, but I think, I think that Matt Ryan, though, does have some really good football left. Alex Marvez joining us, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, and All Elite Wrestling. The Tennessee Titans had the top seed in the AFC last year. They didn't have a healthy Derrick Henry. He came back for the playoffs, but... He didn't look like Derrick Henry to me, but what do you think of them coming into this season? The Colts have fortified. The Texans and Jags are going to get better. Yep. What about the Titans? Well, you Never know, mind the rest of the AFC, Alex. No, but a weird year, right? I mean, they were the number one seed. They were the kings yep. of the AFC with five losses. Now, think about how rare that is yeah. to have a team at 12-5, at and five, and I know that's a different, it's a different year, but it would almost be like 12-4 and four is good enough to win the conference, and usually it's 13-3, and 14-2, and 15-1, or dare I say it, there were 16-0 and 0, New England style. So that, to me, was interesting, and then squandering it, and Ryan Tannehill obviously struggling, and I think this is what the, is the different dynamic right now for the Tennessee Titans. They, they have gotten, you know, Listen, Julio Jones, unfortunately, could just not shake the injury bug during the time there. I believe it was four games in total played by A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Julio Jones all on the field together. Just four games. I mean, that's so scant. And, you know, they did not get the return on Julio. They cut bait, traded for Robert Woods, hoping that he'll recover from his torn ACL, be a nice number two receiver. You know, really what they wanted Julio to be with A.J. Brown being the number one guy. But what's different is the past couple off seasons, Ryan Tannehill went into them all positivity. Right. It was like, you know, oh, my gosh, it's not Ryan Tannehill's fault that we're not able to get to a Super Bowl. That narrative has changed the way that he played against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the heat is clearly on him. And one has to wonder, OK, the Titans financially are committed to him. And also they're committed to a lot of other players. They're not in position to really move on from him. But will they draft a quarterback and, and you know, have that developmental prospect waiting in the wings? just in case what happens to Ryan Tannehill follows what happened to Marcus Mariota when Ryan Tannehill replaced him midway through right. a season, would you consider going and addressing this position? Because if Ryan Tannehill isn't able to get back to form, if, that, if the mistakes that he made last year linger, then this is a Titans team that's good enough to make the playoffs. We all know that, but they're in it, they should be in it to win it. And sometimes we see teams year after year, yeah, they're in the postseason, but then they lose and they fall short of a Super Bowl. Is Ryan Tannehill a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? If he does not answer that this season, then I think you're going to see some major changes afoot in Tennessee. 
Thoughts on Doug Peterson coaching the Jags, and they acquired a lot of talent as well. Now, this is an unbiased football opinion because, as okay. you mentioned, I do work for All Elite yeah. Wrestling, owned by the Khan family, and I'm around uh-huh. Tony Khan quite a bit. So, you know, and, and we could talk AEW in a minute. We're coming back to Houston. But, you know, so I'm just telling you, the there's someone there who I think, number one, hit it off with the quarterback. And I can tell you, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence never on the same page. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor tried to be understanding about some of the, the quirks that Urban Meyer had, but it was such a toxic environment and such a terrible hire made uh, by the Khan family that they washed their hands of it, and they have someone who's in who's a communicator. That's mm-hmm. one of Doug Peterson's strengths. He's a good human being as well. And you already you talk to people in the Jags organization, they can just tell you a 180-degree difference. Just the atmosphere of players wanting to be there, coaches wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. It's so different than what it was. So I think there's that $155 million in guaranteed contracts. Not even talking the overall value of what these contracts may end up being, but $155 million in guaranteed money to, to seven players in free agency by the Khan family. That shows you a commitment to trying to get this thing turned around quickly. They realize, Trevor Lawrence, the clock is ticking, just like with any rookie quarterback. you got three years, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the, the agent comes to you. They want a contract extension a la Kyler Murray, and then your salary cap, you're, you're having to do a lot of gymnastics here, mm-hmm. having to get that quarterback in under a new contract that it may make it cost prohibitive to do other things under the salary cap. So in the case of the Jaguars, they realize the time is now. I think Doug Peterson, the right man for the job. And, you know, the fact is, too, I think we can pencil in Aiden Hutchinson pretty much for that number one overall pick with the decision to franchise tag Cam Robinson for another season. Hopefully they can work out a long-term deal with him. They will be better. I love the hire, even though a roller coaster of emotions by a lot of folks because of Trent Baalke's involvement as general manager, the fact that the Jags talked to some out-of-the-box type hires, you know, but, but at the end of the day, I think they got the right man for the job in Doug Peterson. Alex Marvez with us. All right, what about All Elite Wrestling? So it's owned by the Khan family. You're coming back to Houston. Tell us a little bit about May this. May 18th, back at the Fertitta Center. We okay. were there in August, and we had a very successful show, drawing more than 5,000 people, hoping we do at least that. And we're the, you know, maybe you could call us the Pepsi to Vince McMahon's Coca-Cola, <laughs> okay? Uh, we're an alternative brand of wrestling, really channels more of the, the WCW, ECW spirit uh, of the 1990s. Right. Uh, and we, we still have some of those wrestlers. Sting is still wrestling for us at the tender age mm-hmm. of 63. So, wow. you know, yeah, he's, uh, he's a physical Marvel, he's the Tom Brady of uh, AEW wrestling. Gordy Howe. How about that? <laughs> nice hockey reference there as well, playing into his 50s. So, I With mean, the arrows in Houston. Yeah, I, I like it. I like You know your Houston sports history. So, Mark, I think that it's a, it's a lot of fun to go to a live show. There's mm-hmm. really, as much as people watch it, we draw more than a million viewers a week on television just for our Dynamite show on TBS every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. The show will be live at the Fertitta Center on May 18th. But just to experience a live show. Or if you're a parent and you take your kids to a live show, they'll never look at pro wrestling the same way again because there's so much energy, so much excitement. I mean, listen, we know what pro wrestling is. It's sports entertainment, mm-hmm. to, to you know, borrow a phrase from how Vince McMahon uh, you know, once put it. We get it, but there's still incredible athleticism. You still get caught up in the storylines. It's still, it's, you know, wrestling is, is just fun. And I it think is. we brought the fun back to pro wrestling. All right, so, so many intelligent people I know, really intelligent people, Love wrestling. Get insanely into it. Sean Pendergast, who works on our flagship station, yep. one of them. Why is that? I think, um, well, it's like a soap opera for, I, I would say soap opera for men, but then I would be showing our female audience short, mm-hmm. so I don't want to do that. 
I just think it is soap opera-esque in a way. You get involved with characters and storylines, and you want to see the good guys win and your favorites win, or you mm -hmm. find some sort of amusement. It might just be a character. Maybe it's someone you love to hate, like Maxwell Jacob Friedman in our company. MJF, wow. the most despised man in pro wrestling. You know, and you want to boo him. You know, you just you want to see him get his comeuppance. And so that draws you in. But see, pro wrestling is whatever you want it to be. That's what I find so fascinating about pro wrestling. All the different styles of pro wrestling. We're smorgasbord wrestling is what we've been labeled because we have a bunch of wrestling matches that take on different styles. Not every match is going to look the same. Some may be more hardcore. Some may be more technical. You know, some may be more striking. Uh, you know, all sorts of things. So I think there's that component to it. Wrestling appeals to different people in a lot of different ways. You know, and it's also something, let's be honest here, it's like if you open that can of SpaghettiOs after a right. bad day at work. You're like, okay, you go back to your childhood, right? Yeah. And, man, those SpaghettiOs take me back. Maybe they don't taste as good as they once did. The sauce is a little sweet. The pasta isn't all that great. But the point is that, you know, you remember, and we're a nostalgia generation, a lot of us, and yeah. so many people grew up watching wrestling mm -hmm. when they were kids. And I, in a way, we tap into that, that same spirit, and we also involve some of the same people who were, who were in pro wrestling at that time, but also we're taking it evolving. And we have a nice young talent roster, and it grows by the day, it seems. And it's just been incredible. You know, it's the most successful startup pro wrestling company in the history of the industry. Wow. All Elite Wrestling coming back to Fertitta Center May 18th. Hope you all can join us. All right. We'll look forward to that and look forward to hearing you on SiriusXM. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. There he is, Alex Marvez, SiriusXM, NFL Radio, and All Elite Wrestling coming to Houston as he said. And here at the NFL annual meeting, things are wrapping up. Like I said, and, man, the league is in such great shape. You know, a huge reason why the NFL is so competitive is because a long time ago, the Mara family and Pete Rozelle, they agreed that the New York teams, and this is what really matters in sports, the New York teams are willing to share the money. The major market teams, New York, Chicago, L.A., especially New York and L.A., they're willing to share the TV money with the rest of the league. You don't have a baseball or basketball situation here. 72% of the league revenue is divided among the 32 teams. That gives you some competitive balance. And with the salary cap, everybody's sort of in the same boat. Not completely, but mostly in the same boat. Second place, American Professional Sports League divides up 50% of the total revenue. So you see the difference right there, and it's reflected in on-field play. If the Maris had not agreed to do that and they wanted to keep their New York TV money, then you would never have a Green Bay Packers or a small market team being as competitive as they are. It's just one of those basics that applies to the NFL, and I bring it up every once in a while just to point out how the league does what it does. They're coming off the best postseason, most entertaining perhaps in the history of the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that, but it's very often a subjective thing. Look, if your team didn't win the Super Bowl, and I know the Texans obviously didn't, uh, maybe it's not as entertaining as, say, being a Rams fan or a Bengals fan, getting back there for the first time in a long time, whatever. But objectively, this was the greatest postseason ever in National Football League history. All right, that's going to do it for our NFL annual meeting shows. We do have other interviews for you coming up later this week, including but not limited to Cal McNair. And we'll talk more about what happened here. We'll talk more about the draft because that's coming up fast and furious. Cannot wait for the NFL draft, which is four weeks from Thursday. Let's get it on. All right, Johnny's got the show tomorrow, but I'm going to be on it. You know I will, and we look forward to talking with you then. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great day, and go Texans.